This is Hope for the Heart with a special week of programs from June Hunt. I'm Joe Wolf. By now, you've probably heard that this Friday, October 2nd, will be the last airing of this radio broadcast. But the ministry of Hope for the Heart and June Hunt will still be around. I'll tell you more later on in the program. Right now, I'll just say that there's a new website where you can listen to her. It's junehunt.org. We're so grateful to our listeners, and many have asked how June got started. What's her story? Well, recently June sat down with her friend and partner in ministry, Tanya Bredeheft. They talked about June's difficult upbringing and how God used her story as a catalyst for the ministry of Hope for the Heart. The mission has always been sharing how God's truth provides real answers to our real questions. Perhaps in June's story, you'll hear your story, and you'll discover how God's hope changes lives. So let's listen in on this conversation. June, as we wrapped up yesterday's show, you were beginning to talk about forgiveness. You talked about that for a bit. But today, I'd like our conversation to start with how did Hope for the Heart even come about? Hmm. What inspired it? Well, it wasn't my idea. Actually, I had been a guest, a last-minute guest, on a radio talk show for an hour and a half. And all I know is... Uh, somebody ordered the cassettes of the program, and someone called me on the phone and said, June, sit down. Let me tell you what you need to do with your life. So I literally sat down. I said, okay, I'm sitting. You need to be doing a radio program. I said, radio? I've never felt called to do radio. And they said, well, when you do conferences and retreats and these messages, what if you had thousands of people who are listening to the same message as opposed to just that group, whether it's a hundred or 10 or however many people, what if it could be heard all at once? I said, well, I don't know if there's a need. And the week before I had done a 35th anniversary for a television outlet and some people there said, you need to be on television. And I said the same thing. Well, I never felt called to television and I, I don't know, um, you know, so it didn't really spark anything in me. Not not that I would be against it, but I didn't have that image of me doing that. And so I remember the four men who asked me about television. So I went to each of them and I said, I've been asked to consider this for radio. And I said, is there a need? And they said, yes, there's hardly any female doing anything in Christian radio there is a need. I said, well, I can tell you, I will not do a woman's program. Because they were saying, you know, there are hardly any women. That's interesting that you would clarify so early on. Mm -hmm. This is not about a women's program. No, I I don't do diapers and cookies and (laughs) babies. um, But I said, the only way I would do it would be to do practical issues that people face from a biblical perspective and it would have to be issues that are relevant to our culture. Obviously, since I'm a female, it would be from a female perspective. And so they kept saying, there is a need. There's a need because it's almost all men on Christian radio. And so that's really how uh, it began. It wasn't me thinking about it, but it was the opportunity for significant impact with messages that would present biblical hope and practical help. 
which is one of my favorite things that we say around the office. Never lose sight, never lose focus mm -hmm. of the biblical hope. That's what we're doing here. And the practical help and the, the bridge to what God says the truth is. Yes. So knowing that you never intended to really be in broadcast, but that's what where everyone was pointing you, and you were very wise to take those suggestions because here we are today. How did the name Hope for the Heart come about? You know, that was one of the hardest of all, is what do you name this entity? And uh, I remembered something that had happened the year before. I was teaching a home Bible study as well as a, a Bible class at my church, and people would come to many times to both. And there was a woman who kept coming. Both of her parents died of alcoholism. She was in her uh, late 30s, and she was a respiratory therapist. But it's like she really needs more. She she needs something in her life. And and we had homework that we did with the Bible studies and all, and she was right on target. And then at my Bible class on a Monday night or a Tuesday night, she asked if she could be the last one to talk with me. After the class was over, it happened to be now midnight, and we talked until 3 o'clock. She said, I don't know what to do. I have these images that keep coming back, flashbacks. I said, what kind of flashbacks? She says, they're horrible. I said, are they sexual? She said, yes. And I said, can you identify who is in the flashbacks? Yes, my father. And she said, I don't think I can handle this. So over a period of time, you know, I would say, y yes. Scripture says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can get through this. I can do all things through him, Christ, who gives me strength. Then there'd be the next time I would say his divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life. So you, since you have Christ living in you, and she did, his power would enable you to do whatever you needed to do. Then she starts saying, no, I'm not good enough. It'll work for you, but it won't work for me. I said, no, 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 this has nothing to do with you and me, she said, no, you're better than me. I said, I'm not better than you. It's like she could not receive what I was saying. And then finally she just kind of discontinued coming. And then one day I received a phone call from the psych unit, and she had attempted suicide. And she had asked for me, so I visited with her. I, can't, I went, and I knew the sense of hopelessness she was feeling, and despair and it, but everything I would say was it was not sinking in and I kept trying then her insurance ran out and so now she has to be at the state hospital and then the second day she got there all of a sudden I get a call June you've got to get me out of here I said well, what's happened June I'm not like these people I am not a zombie you've got to get me out of here I said I don't have the power to get you out of there and she said yes you do all you do is you drive up she said June they can't hold me I knew now she was not getting the psychological help she needed by virtue of hope-filled messages our Bible class was having a retreat literally 15 minutes away from that facility and I thought if I could get her there and then get her to a superb Christian psychiatrist. He was a friend, and so he said, yes, I will meet with her. 
Uh, she needed to be at a place where she would get true, true help. And she said, you know, June, I began to think, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I think, what? She's using that scripture. His divine power has given me everything I need to live a godly life. I'm, I'm understanding. I Yes. I, and so I'm going, whoa. <laughs> okay. So I drive. And um, I pick her up. And the people that are at the front desk, they said, if something happens to her, her blood will be on your hands. I said, I understand. And so, indeed, uh, she comes to our our retreat, and we are all watching out for her just to make sure that she is safe, nothing happens, nothing impulsive. And so everyone was vigilant, out of care for her. On Monday, I get her. We go to an excellent psychiatrist, and he said, she's on way too much medication. There are certain things that are appropriate but she also needs to be processing the pain with an excellent counselor, and I have the right counselor for her. So this psychiatrist assigns her also to a psychologist who can help her process the pain. Now, why am I telling you this story? The name Hope for the Heart. I happen to love practical, relevant scriptures. I love the scripture, truth will set you free. She knew that truth, but she did not have the hope that it would work for her. And so what she ended up realizing later, yes, that is for her. So the bottom line is, I do believe Jesus' words, the truth will set you free. If you do not have hope that it'll work for you, it, you can know it in your head, but not apply it to your heart and life. And so that's why we've got to make sure people have hope for the truth, because that's what hope is. It's guaranteed hope. It is not wishful thinking. There's Christian hope, and there is cultural hope. Cultural hope is, yeah, I hope I can get there in time. That's a maybe yes, maybe no, or other kinds of desires. But guaranteed hope is anything that God has said Anything that he has promised in his word is a guarantee. And so she transitioned from having truth in her head, knowing, yes, the truth will set you free, to having the hope, appropriating it for your life, applying it to your life, literally having faith that it would work with whatever God promised. Oh, I love hearing that story, June, and I don't think I'd ever heard that one. Mm. When you speak into her saying, this isn't for me, I'm not good enough, God did not intend this for me, that leads me to want to ask you about one of my favorite books of yours, Seeing Yourself Through God's Eyes. Mm. And so often when you're counseling with someone or teaching someone, you will come back to this as a core and a starting point and an easy place for them to begin to understand God does intend it to be for them. Well, before Hope for the Heart began, I was teaching on something that I was not taught years before. I didn't even know one scripture until I finally was in a biblically-based church. But I had never heard of your identity in Christ. Somebody said, you know, people need to know their identity in Christ. I said, I don't know what that means. And so you think about it. If I say I'm a Christian... And the Bible says, 
If anyone is in Christ, that person's a new creation. Old things pass away. All things become new. What, what becomes new? I mean, what, what does that mean? How is that real? How is that practical? And so as such, I remember learning the difference between a person who has Christ and a person who doesn't have Christ based on the Word of God. So what we're talking about is what is our identity if we are authentic Christians? Because there is a difference all throughout the Word of God. And so I kind of saw that if you are a true authentic Christian, you're adopted by God. And I love that. I have to tell you, anytime I read that, because of how I grew up and feeling a little bit abandoned and some things in my life, Mm -hmm. the the thought that God adopted me, you know, just Mm -hmm. is such a peaceful thing to think about. It's so welcoming. So it means you're chosen. Yes. And and it's just so powerful. Mm -hmm. So I don't like to write long, long books. I like things that are succinct and it's got to be practical. So I did this 31 day devotional. It ended up being that way. It's two pages a day, basically like I'm adopted by God. How does that work? Well, I didn't even know there was scripture that says that we are adopted by God, but yes, we are. Um, I'm a child of God. See, everyone who's a true, authentic Christian becomes adopted and you become a child of God. The Bible says in John 1, 12, as many as received him, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And then I am precious to God. I'm accepted by God. I'm called by name by God. You know. And then what does it mean to be baptized? So here are all these terms that I didn't know. What do you mean baptized? I mean, I, I knew the name, but I, I didn't understand. How does that matter at all? And it took me real thought because it had to be, this writing had to be very practical. So, you know, we have, I'm chosen by God, born again by God, saved by God, justified, all these terms. But let's put it in understandable language where people can for sure understand. My my hardest one of this book was um, holy. What, what do you mean holy? I'm holy before God? The Bible says, be holy because I am holy. And I thought, how do you explain that? Holy means set apart. Set apart by God. Set apart from sin. Set apart to be the person God created you to be. And so I thought, how do I explain this? My Uncle Jimmy in Idabel, Oklahoma, had a watermelon patch. And one day when I was young, he put into my hand a black watermelon seed. And he said, June, one day this seed will become as big as that watermelon. And I'm looking at this big, big watermelon. I think, well, that's impossible. It can't be because that's black and this is green. I didn't know that when you plant a watermelon seed, it's destined to become like that big watermelon. The seeds are set apart by God for that purpose. So when you're set apart by God, holiness is natural. The Father is the gardener, Christ is the seed. With Christ in you, you are set apart to grow and become like Him. In fact, 
1 John 3, 9 says, No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning. So it's natural for the Lord not to sin. Therefore, with God's seed in you as a Christian, it becomes increasingly natural for you not to sin. So what seems impossible becomes possible. You do not become easily sinless, but you sin less and less. And as you see yourself through God's eyes, with his presence inside you, he will produce the impossible through you. So why settle for anything less? Well, I want to personally thank you for this specific book, and I want to encourage anybody who's listening, if you've not got this book, I hope you'll go to junehunt.org because this book has blessed me so much. Mm, And even in times where I'm struggling, uh, which we all do, I'll go back to it. And the I am's that you have there are just, uh, they ground me back into scripture and back into God's promises. So I'm going to be a little selfish here because this was one of my favorite books. I have another favorite book. (laughs) I've told you this before. I cannot tell you how many people I've gifted with the counseling through your Bible handbook. And, um, I don't think that started out as a book. I think it started out as a, a different format and teaching. And I would love to just hear because that book is truly been such a blessing to churches. Uh, Pastors I've given it to are just literally when they're here in our offices, I'll hand it to them for the first time and their their mouths just literally drop to Mm -hmm. the floor that they didn't know there was one place that they could go to find all these different issues tied to scripture. And it's like, how many copies can I get? My whole staff needs to have this. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to hear how that came about, because it just wasn't a book one day. <laughs> well, you're, you're right. There are churches that will buy them by the boxes to give to their leaders, because they know if you're trying to help someone, there's not just going to be one issue that a person will deal with. People come to you about their biggest problem, and you can't know all this. So what happened was, as a conference speaker, before Hope for the Heart began, and then as Hope for the Heart continued, uh, I was asked to speak at many, many conferences. And so I kept thinking, where is the practical material? Where is the biblical material? Where is the relevant biblical information on childhood sexual abuse, on sexual addiction, on, and then go down the list. So we taught this from 1989 to 92. It was a three-year course, six 16-week semesters. And every week I was teaching a different topic. I was on a gerbil wheel. I could not get off that gerbil wheel. Every week I had to be teaching on a Monday night and a Tuesday morning. And I was writing the material. And it was definitions, characteristics, causes, solutions. So if it's anger, we've got to deal with definitions. What what do you mean anger? Well, there's also wrath, rage, fury, indignation. Those are different. So definitions are important. There are different kinds of anger. And what do we do? So definitions, characteristics, what does it look like? Uh, Causes. Why do people have anger or whatever the issue is? Uh, Well, there are four causes for anger. Anger is just a secondary response to one or more of these four causes. Hurt, injustice, fear, and frustration. It's like that light on the car. If you drive a car, there's a light. All of a sudden it comes on. That means something's wrong. Something's wrong. 
it's a warning light that something's the matter. So then you look under the hood, if you will, and is it hurt? Is it injustice? Is it fear? Is it frustration? Or a combination? And so I started pouring my everything into each of these topics, and we had, it was like a hundred topics. And every week would be a different one. Then they started asking me, well, we want your outlines. I thought, oh, so after the first semester, I had to go back and just work on getting those done to give. And then we began to expand it more and more. And then after that three-year time period, a book came about. And it was what you mentioned, the Counseling Through Your Bible Handbook. The handbook, though, is only, think of it as the Cliff Notes version. It's not all the material on each of these topics. It's just what's the most important thing you need to know about. We couldn't put in a handbook, we couldn't do 100 topics, so it's only 50 topics. But it gets you started to try to help someone. Then if they want to, they could get our keys. These are keys for living on each of these topics where it's really much more thoroughly dealt with. The bottom line is, we present biblical hope and practical help. And each of the keys begin with one scripture. First, seek the counsel of the Lord. This isn't for people who are going into counseling. They don't have to do that. It's just we all need to first seek the counsel of the Lord. June, thank you so much. I, I've sat with you so many times. I've heard you at so many conferences. I've, I've stood alongside you while you've uh, prayed with people and counsel people, but I must say, every time I sit with you, I still learn something new. I thank you. I know our listeners are so blessed, and I'm looking forward to talking to you again tomorrow, and I think tomorrow we're going to talk a little bit more about forgiveness and reconciliation, because people think they're the same thing, but you're going to teach us differently. You're listening to Hope for the Heart at a special week of programs with June Hunt. Now, Tanya mentioned two books today. One was Seeing Yourself Through God's Eyes, and the other is called The Counseling Through Your Bible Handbook. These can both be found at the new website dedicated specifically to June's teaching. That's junehunt.org. We've shared that this Friday, October 2nd, this broadcast will transition off the air. But we want you to know that June Hunt and the Ministry of Hope for the Heart will still be around. Now, I've mentioned the new website a few times, junehunt.org. If you're one of our many faithful listeners to this daily program, well, we're grateful for you. And we want you to know that this website is where you can still listen to June anytime, anywhere. Again, that's junehunt.org. And we also want you to keep an eye out for a new podcast coming from Hope for the Heart. June's nightly radio program, Hope in the Night, is another way you can listen to June. This airs on many of your local radio stations, or you can listen online at junehunt.org. And follow her on Facebook for daily messages of hope. Here you can also keep up with June and find out what's going on with the Ministry of Hope for the Heart. Now, you're going to hear more from June tomorrow. But right now, here she is with a message about God's hope and how His hope can be real to us. We've all experienced that sinking feeling after our lives have drifted off course. Then we find ourselves in trouble, feeling emotionally overwhelmed. When you have an anchored life, a life anchored in Christ, you cannot be destroyed by a tempestuous storm. 
the Lord will stabilize you until the storm has passed. If we're not anchored in the promises of God, a catastrophic event could send us sinking into a sea of hopelessness. Therefore, our commitment should be this from Hebrews 10. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for God is faithful to keep His promise. For more about this hope, visit junehunt.org and follow her on Facebook. For June Hunt, I'm Joe Wolf. Thank you for joining us today. And remember that there is hope, no matter the circumstance. Meet us back here tomorrow. June's going to share how God has used the pain in her life as a catalyst for helping others. That's tomorrow here on Hope for the Heart.